0: Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and good evening. I'm Jonathan Hassan, and this is yet another edition of TV7 Editor's Note. And today uh, I have a very special guest with me here in the studio. uh, A major general uh, in reserve at the IDF, Gilson Akkoen.
1: Good to see you again.
0: It's a pleasure to see you again. Of course, you were here uh, this last Friday for an episode of Jerusalem Studio. But I think uh, beyond, of course, your um, capacity as a reserve general uh, in charge, of course, uh, of multiple roles, but also... Uh, an army corps commander, a uh, the commander of the defense colleges. I may say that one of uh, my personal teachers. I learned so much from you over uh, the uh, extensive period of time that we've known each other. But generally speaking, this is uh, a true pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Um, At this episode, as usual, we start with prayer, and then uh, we'll uh, dive into a variety of topics, which I believe you'll find quite interesting, of course, with having here one of Israel's top um, experts, if I may, with regard to Israel's northern arena, uh, particularly also Syria. So we'll discuss much of uh, uh, topics that are quite relevant for today. But uh, bear with me, Uh, join me if you will, so uh, join me in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for uh, today, Father. Thank you for the blessing and privilege of being able to have General Aquan here with me in the studio in Jerusalem. Uh, Lord, I pray that our discussion will uh, serve as a blessing to our viewers, guidantly that in accordance with your will, we give you all glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. And I believe that in the Holy Land, we are all dependent every day with the blessing of God.
0: Absolutely. Uh, You know, Israel is a miracle, and I think it's a timepiece, and this is what I believe. I think it's a timepiece reflected in the prophecies uh, of old. Uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, even Habakkuk uh, provided some uh, insight, uh, I think uh, quite interesting insight for that matter. Um, But, uh, you know, when when I look at the various developments, and we're talking about today— Many things that we're seeing today are quite challenging um, to interpret. You know, at one moment, people look at the situation and see Turkey as an adversary. The other moment, it's normalizing relations. And then the other moment, it is uh, Turkey and Iran. We see Mevlut Shoglu, the foreign minister of Turkey, meeting with Hassan Amir Abdullahyan from Iran, uh, talking about cooperation and deepening relations, and so on and so forth. And then we hear uh, just a couple of days later that uh, they are bitter rivals on other angles, uh, where Turkey attacks them in Iraq, uh, for for instance. What is this complexity to? you as a general who has been observing Israel's northern arena, other arenas, of course, are related to Israel as well, um, to really sit, look at raw intelligence, understand the developments, and say, okay, this complexity I need to deal with.
1: Well, first of all, uh, with your permission, I'll not really uh, direct my interpretation to what's really going on in the field, in the arena. Of course. But what you emphasized so importantly is that, in a way, the main key to understand and to come to the effort of interpretation must be replaced. It means that like we are coming to navigate in a new city with an old map, we must get a, a better map Uh, up-to-date and it is not only the map it's not just the physical uh, geographical conditions that have been changed in order to just go to the main point what really making a complicated challenges to everyone that was uh, educated under a Western cultural approach mainly platonic approach is that we are really finding difficulties in understanding the behavior of people. As you mentioned, Turkey, is it an adversary leading to attention or exactly the opposite, the key for stability? Mm. And in order to understand that, we must uh, pay attention to what teach all the... Sunnah, Islamic uh, world, uh, sheik Al Kardawi.
0: Hmm.
1: He was invited to London by Johnson, that mayor of London, 2004. After he was considered to be persona non grata in the United States, because he was a teacher of bin Laden. After 9-11, he was really considered to be persona non grata, not to be invited to the United States. Yet he was invited to London, and they asked everyone, demanded explanation, how come that you are inviting someone that is an icon and symbolizing uh, the radical Islam? So they made a, a, a journalistic party to present uh, Sheikh Al Kardawi together with the London mayor of City Johnson. And th- at that moment, Sheikh Al Kardawi told them listen. I'm the one uh, teaching and uh, demanding for Islamic tolerance. I'm the one bringing the idea of tolerance to all Islamic people living in Europe. Mm. And the main question is, what's the truth? Whether he is a radical Islamic supporting terrorism or exactly the opposite, supporting tolerance. And the main answer, really beyond uh, the conceptual framework of Western cultural people, is that he's both. And what it means is both, his idea is what is called in Arabic wassatir, huh. the, the, the way of the middle. It means he's both, and he's making a kind of daily synchronization in that tension. And I think that if we are understanding that, we are coming with a new key to understand strategic behavior of Turkey, Iran, including Nasrallah. because and by
0: the way, they're, they're playing politics. People don't understand yes, this. this. And they're is... rational. Right. Yeah.
1: Because uh, if you're a liar, you're not a rational uh, actor. Right. But they are rational. How you can really... Um, bring interpretation of Nasrallah mind that I believe he doesn't want a war. On the other side, the very idea of el-Muqama that was wrongly dis- uh, translated to resistance, it is not resistance. Mm-hmm. It is uprising.
0: Right.
1: It, and the main idea of el-Muqama doesn't say uh, keep always a permanent uh, radical activity. It means keep always the permanent devotion to do something to bring redemption. Jihad is a kind of redemption. So if we are looking upon that complicated uh, behavior uh, by understanding that they are not just radicals, they want both. Maybe we can bring a bridge here between the moral attitude of Christianity and Islam and Judaism as well. It means that exactly the opposite idea. What is the main idea of Western European uh, actors coming to the Middle East? And once I participated uh, in a conference with the European Union about the question how their delegators could be more effective in the Middle East. Their, their idea is to separate between religious affairs and uh, political affairs. Mm-hmm. And in, as long as they will succeed to bring the idea that separation brings stability, then they are believing that they will improve uh, the life of everyone. And I told them exactly the opposite. If you are not believing the power of religious you will not succeed to do something differently regarding politics.
0: Very interesting indeed. Well, I think uh, you touched on so many very crucial points. Uh, One of the things that I I think, though, needs to be understood that the West does not understand the Middle East. It does not understand Islam. And more so, I, I don't think that many in Islam understand Islam. Uh, in in this essence of what it actually means, and there is a, an ongoing debate in, in throughout Europe, but also in, in uh, countries like Germany and the Netherlands and, and other countries of the Germanic uh, uh, people. Um, what is Islam? Is it a religion or is it a political entity? Both. Exactly. And And it's exactly in the middle. Yeah, you know, and and this is something very important that you touched upon, because when uh, Western society bases much of its precipice and its activities based on constitutions, and within uh, constitutions, Western constitutions uh, within uh, democratic uh, political governance, those constitutions ultimately limit the government from imposing. Uh, ...its will upon religions because of the essence and the foundation of freedom of religion. So if Islam is a religion, they cannot deal with Islam because it is protected under their own laws. However, if Islam is a political ideology and a political tool... ...then they can deal with Muslims entering and radicalizing local communities for their own political gains... Now, this is an ongoing debate. Europe is right now at a crossroads, and this is something that uh, Europeans comprehend in leadership. I've spoken to multiple leaders throughout Europe, um, be it in the Netherlands. Uh, I heard firsthand in the Netherlands, within the next 20 years, the Netherlands is going to be majority non-Dutch indigenous, the majority of which is going to be Muslim. And this indicates something, for the Netherlands, is this the same country that we've known before? The leadership in in the United Kingdom, you see the United Kingdom today, it is not English.
1: Of course, uh, even the prime
0: minister. The prime minister, <laughs> the foreign secretary, uh, we go the mayor down of the list. London. Uh, but don't forget also uh, Johnson, uh, which you refer yeah. to as uh, the uh, uh, you know but the mayor of London, was half Turkish <laughs> so we need to keep that in, in context. But I think one thing that I would like to hear your your perspective on when we look at the Middle East and we apply the various um, cultural disconnects that have caused many wars uh, throughout this region, much of what we see today in this region, Israel is able to maneuver at least to a certain degree, within the various political agendas of political Islam. Now, we see the activities done by the...
1: Abraham Accord and et cetera. Exactly. And the the fact, the very fact that it is called upon Abraham, Nabi Ibrahim is is a shared father, ancestor of us.
0: Indeed. Nevertheless, when we look at the situation, we take it one stage backwards, it has to do with common interests. It's founded upon common interests of, that are um, acceptable within Islam. So so long as there are religious rulings, so-called, that allows those nations. Uh, I spoke with uh, uh, an intelligence officer regarding uh, the, the moves by Saudi Arabia. He said we shouldn't call them uh, moderate nations. We should call them pragmatic nations. You know? no,
1: but because pragmatism is a huge truth. It is not just a, a kind of compromise that uh, taking us far away from the truth. It, it is another approach to the definition of truth. The def, it is not an absolute Aristotelian uh, approach to truth, that it Fancy. is existing beyond people. Mm. The way in which we are coming to achieve a kind of... a a compromise, how to live together. This is, in actual life, a basic truth.
0: But how do you live together once the opposing factor, the communities that seek to live with you, are dominant communities who do not seek to integrate, who seek to impose their own interests and seek to impose their own will, and then they may cooperate with you, but the moment... They enter into your sphere of influence, uh, an inevitable clash occurs.
1: It means that we want to achieve both. And just give you an example. In 2013, Chief chief, not chief of staff, the defense minister was here alone. He was very hesitated regarding the cooperation with Israel in the Golan Heights and those uh, militia leaders beyond the border. Mm-hmm. And we really insisted, I was among them, that we must find a shared interest to support them. Right. And the chief of staff, uh, that was uh, uh, yeah, uh, Benny Gantz, uh, with just looking to his uh, backward experience from uh, a Southern Lebanese uh, army that he commanded, right. uh, he was so suspicious and he asked me how you are uh, apologize uh, how you recommending to bring them uh, rifles without your capability to promise me that next year this uh, rifle will not come to shoot me. So we brought to the headquarters in the Golan Heights, to the military headquarters, three uh, military leaders, both, all of them, d- just raised up from uh, 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 being ordinary citizens. And they alone asked one of them, are you a fanatic Islamic? Mm. And he asked him, I don't know. Of course, he spoke Arabic. He mm. it was with translation, but he's not, uh, you are not speaking Arabic. And uh, then his answer was very, very interesting. He told him, listen, before the war emerged, I was going to mask only Yom al juma Friday. Mm. Today, I'm praying five times a day. It means I, I became much more uh, religious. Mm -hmm. Does it mean I am radical? If I would have been radical, I don't really not be uh, allowed to meet the Zionistic defense uh, minister, but I am doing that. So what I am? It means he asked him about his identity to tell him my identity defined by what I am doing, not by declarations.
0: Doesn't have uh, it have, though, uh, another interpretation, of course, takea. Yes. Where he's allowed to enter in negotiations with an enemy when his own life is in danger.
1: Exactly.
0: So ultimately, uh, whether he's radical or not, that's already a matter of interpretation.
1: Exactly. And then uh, another example about the cultural gap Uh, Yalon asked him, it was a very important discourse, what really is your vision? Mm -hmm. What is your purpose? So, okay, you are defending your village today against uh, uh, Jubata and and all the others that are Mm -hmm. considered to be your enemy, but what next? Mm -hmm. He, with a a cigarette, said, it means we will see. I don't know yet. The horizon is not clear. So he wanted to get a rational planning, and he got a very sincere uh, answer to say, uh, I cannot uh, really plan because the horizon was yet uh, not created.
0: And it's it's fascinating that Jabhat al-Nusra, which was an offshoot of al-Qaeda at the time. Yeah. Uh, I think al Jolani, who today happens to be the com- uh, most senior commander of Tahrir al-Sham yeah. in Idlib, uh, which is the northwestern uh, part of Syria, where people, of course, for the sake of our viewers, uh, uh, need to understand it's the last pocket of uh, the Islamic State, al-Qaeda, and all radical organizations. The commander of Jabhat al-Nusra, which was on the border with Israel, is currently located there and is protected ironically, by Turkey, among others, uh, we see that that same individual and that same organization was doing the bidding of, who was back then, Adha Wahiri, the commander of Al-Qaeda, who was later then also killed by the United States, uh, thankfully. And that same individual, Adha Wahiri, who was a deputy of bin Laden, happened to be, Uh, somebody who initially was part of the Ehwan and was then subsequently among the founders of uh, Islamic Jihad in Egypt, which had an affiliation to Iran. And that's why when he took over Al-Qaeda, suddenly he started integrating a lot of the infrastructure of Al-Qaeda in cooperation with the Iranians, which brought then about also cooperation with the islamic jihad which we're dealing with today in the gaza strip that same iranian proxy and judea yeah. and samaria and other places everything is interconnected it means
1: that we are really uh, bewildered by the fact that we cannot uh, find a coherent framework mm. uh, like a box to make an order because alliances are really checked every day again
0: yeah. And, uh, you know, I I had a very interesting conversation. I have a friend who happens to be a member of parliament in in, um, Finland. And uh, he, at the time, wanted to go to military intelligence, went to the military colleges in in, uh, Finland and traveled to Yemen, where he was doing his dissertation on uh, radical Islam and the dangers of uh, militant Islam. And it's it's really a fascinating story, uh, and I'll keep it very short. Uh, for several months, he wasn't able uh, to see his wife. He was a married man, and when she came, they were kidnapped by a local tribe and sold to al-Qaeda. And one of the lessons that he learned from that equation, which I find always very fascinating, is that their tribal affiliation is as strong and committed as their affiliation to Al-Qaeda because they regard it as a service to their tribe because then they're regarded as good Muslims. So one affiliation is not necessarily contradictory to a second. And when we look at that equation, they all have one enemy, you know, and that is the West. The West is the definition of everything that is wrong in the precipice of Islam and the local tribal leaders. And and maybe
1: if we are... And people are sometimes criticizing me that I'm looking upon that phenomena with empathy, mm. because actually they are doing bad things. They are killing, well, uh, uninvolved persons. They are raping, what etc. I really not coming to justify that, but from anthropological point of view, we will not. Uh, be able to ignore that something very interesting can teach all of us about what is human being. The whole uh, issue about humanism Mm. from 19th century in Europe actually concentrated in one question. What really is a human being? Mm. What is the essence of it? It begins with Karl Marx, of course Hegel, Nietzsche coming to Michel Foucault. And therefore, Michel Foucault was so attracted by the Iranian revolution with letters that he uh, got and wrote to Khomeini, uh, to other members of the revolution, Khatami, etc. Mm -hmm. And it was published in a book before he died. He, He died in 1984 in Paris. And Simone de Beauvoir. A, a just a complained against him, accused him, how you are dealing with empathy with these people that exemplifying regression regarding human rights, regarding all our values. His answer was, you are all suffering from anti-religious chauvinism.
0: I don't know how chauvinism plays a role here, but okay. Uh,
1: no, anti-religious chauvinism, it means that By the very fact that they are guided by religious attitude, Mm -hmm. uh, they are not really deserve empathy. This is the main idea. Therefore he called that chauvinism. But why it is so important uh, for me, because
0: Which is very true by the way, still today by the European institutions and other organizations and the academic. If I want
1: to learn something about uh, human nature. Maybe by looking upon them, I can learn something that's really uh, no, e- extinct from uh, the life in Europe. And in order to understand what's going on, I must go back to what could be considered as regressive uh, reality. But mm. yet I can st- learn something. Very and, and, and why it is so important just... Thinking about the main issue of bin Laden. He actually led a battle against globalization. And what globalization is bringing as anxiety to bin Laden? It is a threat to the family, to the tribe. Mm -hmm. To
0: Islam from his perspective, obviously.
1: Because Islam is based upon the family and tribe. Right. Mm -hmm. So he came to protect the shelter mm-hmm. of his culture. And if um, I look about Abd Azam, the teacher of uh, Bin Laden, that actually born in uh, Samaria, mm-hmm. in Silat al-Khartiya, studied in al-Azhar with Sheikh kardawi right. and mm-hmm. came to Afghanistan. What uh, Abd Azam succeeded to do in comparing him to the vision of uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia, had a vision to unite the all Arab tribes under nas- one nationality. Right. And he collapsed.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. On well, the other side, Abdallah Mazzam came to combine them under this shared religious ideas. And he succeeded.
0: Well, it, it's fascinating. Of course, uh, it's been a, a very interesting uh, discussion on multiple angles. Uh, you know, one thing. Um, That uh, always comes to mind uh, within this context is always what a a German general once told me. And that is that when German forces entered one of the uh, caves where they fought, and they were very capable troops in Afghanistan, they found a map uh, of Al-Qaeda's intentions to conquer Europe, calling uh, Germany, Germistan, and, and... uh, France uh, they called uh, Fontistan and then uh, ultimately well Spain of course is Andalusia that's a different story for them um, but uh, this will keep for a different discussion General Akohen thank okay. you so very much for being part thank of today's discussion it's been fascinating thank you also to all of you at home until next time from me in Jerusalem shalom.